I'm afraid I couldn't come on at a worse time for me. <laughs> After that wonderful speech, so powerful, that, I, that we've just heard, um, my message, uh, truncated to five minutes, is going to sound a rather tepid one. I've been struck in the last two days here how all of us, young and old, bright-eyed, worshipping uh, the goddess of success of our civilization, are meeting here in a vast, stupendous landscape with a tragic history, and inhabited by a people whose opportunities for success are much less than our own. That's why, of course, last night was so moving. It's the one time, along with the meeting at the train, when we came in contact with the Blackfeet Nation. And in fact, the part of that ceremony last night, which was moving, was to me not the uh, Wild West show, but in fact, the apparition, all of a sudden, out of the wood of the painted warriors on the painted ponies, and those wonderful files coming over the mountain slopes, under the flaring mountain peaks and the setting sun behind it. M most of us probably reacted in a pictorial way, because we've been uh, trained by John Ford and Bierstadt and uh, Charlie Russell uh, to see these things from our own point of view. But seen, of course, from the Blackfoot point of view, whatever they may say about it, it's clear that they are celebrating images of glory and of loss, images of grandeur and of sorrow, the splendor once of being free on horseback. Those of us from the East are always moved with how fast horses are in their own terrain. And those Native Americans, those Blackfeet marauders, those raiders, those hunters, riding across that landscape, were dealing with a myth, with a dream, with their own dream of their own culture long gone by. I'm sorry that here at this uh, convention, we didn't visit the wonderful jewel of a museum that's down in Browning, which is a sad and impoverished town. And that museum is the Museum of the Plains Indians. And its executive director is a wonderful woman, a Blackfoot, named Jackie Parsons. And she tells us that uh, the tribal council, doubting indeed the importance of the cultural artifacts which are so gorgeously exposed there, would like to turn it into a dinosaur museum, hoping that way to attract more tourists. She says, however, that the people the Blackfeet people, the people in that impoverished town, find that museum a thing of importance to them, that what is there is essential for their continuing lives. And they don't want it to be a dinosaur museum. They want it to be a museum of themselves. Another reason that I'm unlucky to come on at this time is that after the Surgeon General's wonderful talk of the conquest of all uh, difficulties by determination and by her courage, I feel, too, that we should remember that most of us have a chance to do things because we have the opportunity, as so many of the Blackfeet do not. Therefore, we are all products of luck. We should, I think, have a more tragic and classic view of human life, instead of one in which some of us succeed and some of us fail. We're all human beings with a tragic destiny, and we're all creatures of what the Greeks simply called chance. And I think in my own life, what a part luck has played. The time is short, so I'll leave out the first half of the talk. 
And I'll say that I feel that I was lucky as a historian because I've been able to live in two kinds of time. I've been able to live in the present and the immediate past, and I've been able to live also in distant time among people very different from myself, cultures very different from my own. In the modern world, uh, I think I can say that my students, my colleagues, and myself have changed architecture in the United States over the last generation. We have, and I throw modesty to the winds, I'm there though, it's mostly my students and others who have done it, we have revived the vernacular and classical traditions of architecture, we have broken the sterile grasp of the international style, and we have finally moved toward the recreation of community. Not of individual buildings designed by hero architects, designed to knock everybody's eyes out with their specialness, but with houses, buildings, everything in relation to each other to make a place, to make what America lacks most at the present time, that is community. And you know, we've destroyed communities. For example, up and down I-95. Take I-95 in my own town, in New Haven. It destroyed a perfectly stable, low-income uh, black neighborhood. Uh, up there, and then it traveled all the way to Miami and it destroyed Overtown in exactly the same way. In order to bring masses of automobiles into the center of the city, whatever was stable in the city was destroyed. And the cities are paying for that, tragically, at the present time. Now we're trying to turn that around. And uh, students of mine, like Robert Stern, who's going to talk later, has become a good shingle-style architect able to learn from the traditions of the 19th century. And others, like the Cuban refugee Andrus Dwayne and the Polish refugee uh, uh, Elizabeth Platter-Zyberg, his wife, are together creating towns, of which the first is Seaside, of which you've probably heard, but which of, the, of which there are now scores in the United States and one in England called Poundbury for Prince Charles. And I might say that Prince Charles is on our side. He has said that, in fact, the damage that the Luftwaffe did England was nothing compared to the damage that modern architects had done to England in the intervening years. I think that's probably true. Now, leaving that aside, I'd like to talk for a moment about living in deep time, in the deep past. And when uh, 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 I, I managed to get to Europe, and I was sent to Europe by that great and good man, uh, Senator Fulbright, and I went in 1951. The first photograph I took of a Greek temple and landscape showed me that the building had to be seen in relation to a conical hill which was inland. It was part of the composition. The divinity was perceived first in nature, and then the divinity as imagined by human beings was embodied in the temple form. And I traced that. I wrote a book about it called The Earth, the Temple, and the Gods. I found it everywhere, Delphi, Athens, that uh, video, by the way, was in Athens. That's what makes it, I think, important. There is the Parthenon on the Acropolis, and around it is smog. Around it is the destruction of the modern world by the automobile and by the population. So I finally wrote that book. I called it The Earth, the Temple, and the Gods. And when I'd finished it, I put my children in an automobile and drove west toward this country. And coming into the Rockies to the south, near a Sierra Madre, I began to drive down the Rio Grande Valley. And as we went, uh, one of my children said, it looks just like Greece. And indeed it does. The desert is like the Greek sea, and all around the same kinds of sacred mountains deploy. The conical hills, the great clefts, and the great horns of Taos Mountain, of Sicamo, 
of uh, 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 Mesa Encantada by Akama and of the winged buttes that rise out in the painted desert below uh, the Hopi towns. And I wrote a, wrote a book about that too called uh, Pueblo Mountain Village Dance. And then when I come here, I find that all of a sudden, there again, and I'd never been to Montana before, I'm sorry to say, there are the great mountains deploying in front of us. I wonder how many of you have looked at that great mountain range, which is in fact resonant uh, with divinity. Right in the center of it, there is a pyramidal peak, which is notched. And in the uh, crude language of the reduction of Indian words uh, to uh, English words, it's called Squaw Mountain, an ugly and racist word. It, it's called by the Blackfeet, uh, they say, and they've forgotten, this is part of it, the old name, it's called Woman Mountain. And you know, underneath the peak, there is uh, an awesome uh, black monolith that rises up against the, uh, the slope and is the subject one Blackfoot tells me of pilgrimage, that it's a sacred mountain, and another one tells me that it is not, that it, in fact it is not. Here's a disagreement, here's a cultural loss, here's a cultural sense of not knowing precisely exactly who one is and what the past uh, may be. And uh, that, of course, uh, 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 makes us feel that when we're here under it, we are dealing, in fact, uh, with a condition which is uh, very different from our own. Indeed, it's different from the Pueblos. In Pueblo country, in the Southwest, there'd be a town right about here, and its plaza would be oriented directly at the cone of that mountain. All of them, every one, is oriented uh, in that way. And here, not. Here, the Blackfoot bands were less dominant and able to hold the place, these wanderers, these movers over the surface of the earth. Down in the south, that mountain would be called the same. It would be called the Sierra Madre, the mother mountain. Or at Teotihuacan, which is the major religious center that this hemisphere has ever produced, it is called Tenan in Nahuatl, meaning Our Lady of Stone. So here in those cities, here Blackfoot culture is not as able as Pueblo culture, which is sedentary and citified to sustain itself. But here instead we have a people whom we romanticize but do not understand. And indeed, perhaps are not properly valued by us. And by the same token, since we are the dominant culture, are most tragically not properly valued by themselves. There is that gem of a museum that I spoke of in Browning. But they themselves, some, would like to turn it into a museum of dinosaurs. Others would like a very simple thing to be able to meet the trains again. You know, we were met at the train by the drums and the dancers. And the Blackfeet did that to every train until 1952. And then all of a sudden, the management of the lodge at that time stopped it. And we were the first one. So perhaps we've started, in however small way, a new beginning, a, a brighter future. So that in fact, perhaps a change is taking place right here. And the names are uh, Princess uh, Black Bear Woman, Chief Running Buffalo, and Wise Owl have not been given by the Blackfeet in vain. But we can't help but ask, success for whom? Whose self-esteem? Whose sacred land? Thank you. <laughs>